know, the Lord meets us according to two things, our hunger and our obedience. When we obey, he moves. When we're hungry, he fills. But if we're full of something else, he's not going to offer us something to eat. And if we don't posture ourselves to be touched by him, he won't touch us. to stir your own hunger. It's possible to be so dissatisfied with where you are, even if you're right with God, to be so dissatisfied with where you are that God can't help but to meet and fill you and take you to another place. So it doesn't matter where you're at with Jesus, there's always something a little bit more there that he's opening himself to and say, hey, I'm here and I'm willing to give it to you. People who find it are hungry and they're obedient. But to the people who are full and the people who are disobedient, the same door is open to them. They just don't walk through it. So be hungry and be obedient. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all. They, they always do such a good job. Always. They also do a good job. You guys okay? Everybody good? Anybody need prayer? No? Good? All right, you had your chance, so moving on. All right, I have something on my heart that I really feel is important. I have dabbled in this a little bit over the last few months and maybe even the last couple of years, landing on this topic here and there in the midst of other topics, but I want to isolate it to something of its own position, posture, and, and subject. And um, absolutely crucial, but something that's not really talked about a whole lot, except for the fact that we need to do it, but then there's no, there's no understanding biblically of, of the importance of it, right? So I want to I share some things with you guys this morning. Um, we're going to start in Matthew 4, um, so you can go ahead and turn there, and, and Cody, yeah, yeah. I'll be there for a while. No, I probably won't. So Cody got on me last week. He's like, yeah, you told us to go there. We were there like for 45 minutes, and you asked if we made it there. <laughs> and we made it there. So uh, y'all got to keep me straight. All right. Um, I heard something pretty funny there today. I'll let you know. I'll tell you. It's quick. So uh, sent it to a couple people. They thought it was funny, so. Um, why, why doesn't, why doesn't Jesus, or why can't Jesus wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain, breaks every chain, breaks every chain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody who could sing probably would do a better job with that joke, but it was funny. Anyway. I think Lindsay told me she's never going to sing that song the same way again. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the necessity of mind renewal, okay? Um, it's amazing to me how many Christian believers have zero control of their head. Absolutely amazing. And some of the worst ones are the ones who have been Christi in Christianity the longest. Um, which tells me that 
many people who have been following Jesus for a long time have never renewed their mind. They keep old mindsets. Now, I want you to understand that there is a difference between proper theology and and a renewed mind. You can have proper theology and not have a renewed mind. You with me? The Pharisees proved this. You can have good theology without having a renewed mind. You with me? Okay. Some of y'all are looking at me like, huh? I thought my theology was everything. Not unless you become what you believe. If you don't respond in the same nature and what you believe, then what you believe is not what you actually believe. You with me? Okay, so Matthew chapter 4, we're going to go to verse 16. This is the reason why this is important. First of all, is because it's the first thing Jesus ever preached on. First word out of his mouth, after being endued with power by the Holy Spirit, was this message that I'm about to preach to you and teach to you this morning. So if it's the first thing that he ever taught us, it should be the essential part and the backbone of everything else that he says after that point. Jesus, we know, did not speak in uncertain terms. He spoke specifically and pointedly at the people of God to which he was sent. He never minced his words. He never added things or took them away. He was strategic with his speech. We know that he spoke many, many, many things, and I've said this before. What he spoke, all of it wasn't written down. So what was written down was absolutely crucial. And so many people think of mind renewal as an option. If I feel like it. Let me ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? But just be honest with yourself. How many times is your Christianity run by your emotions instead of the Word of God? When you see the fruit of an emotion run wild in your life and you trace it back to its core, it's an unrenewed mind. Period. Now, let me ask you this. How are you going to follow a king who's trying to establish a kingdom thinking like the kingdom he came to destroy? Just because you're in church, because you've read your Bible, which many haven't, but just because you have done those things doesn't mean that you're in proper harmony with the thinking of God. I'm going to prove to you a couple things. However, this topic is so broad and so huge that I'm not going to get through it today. So it's going to be a part one, part two series, because I feel like it's absolutely crucial for us to recognize the necessity of mind renewal. And let me tell you something about mind renewal, guys. The pastor can't do it for you. The people who are laying hands on you, praying for you, can't do it for you. The only person that can renew your mind is you. And if you and I don't renew our minds, everybody else is affected in our life. You with me? You guys understand that in relationships all the time, and I talk about it in relationships all the time, but if we're not, if we don't have a renewed mind in a relationship, then we respond emotionally, and the person who's receiving the response to our emotion suffers from our inability to capture our emotion. Even if our emotion is just lack of emotion. Does that make sense? Yes. Apathy can be just as devastating as anger. 
All the ladies said amen, right? No? Okay, never mind. Everybody, all the ladies like it when their husbands just don't say anything. No? Y'all are... Y'all are oh, no? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. I'm digging a hole, I'm going to fall in it. Verse 16. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. I want you to picture this now. What, we've, what we have is about, I don't know, 5,000 years of Judaism. That's a long time. Of people thinking a certain way. People believing a certain way. That God is X, Y, and Z. People came up with what they thought God was depending on how God responded to them and what God did with other people. So you got an entire nation of people that thought God was something that he wasn't. If they would have properly understood who God was, they would have understood the need for mercy and grace and love, but they didn't get it, so it became legalistic for so many years. If, they would have, if the children of Israel would have properly understood and mentally discerned God as he was, the New Testament would be more mirrored in the old than it, than it is. Do you realize that? Do you realize the intention of God was always love and mercy and forgiveness? And, and all throughout the scriptures, God interjects and intervenes in the prophets and different things and says, listen, I, I, wish, I wish that you would just show people mercy. Yes. I wish you'd love people. I wish you'd just be kind to one another. So then God has to come in the form of Jesus Christ and change our entire understanding of who God is. Why? Because people did not have a renewed mind. They weren't thinking like the king who bore them. Right. Israel was supposed to be the original sons of God, the, the, the direct offspring of Abba. You with me? The divine God represented and, and, and established in and amongst his people. We are the representation of God. Like it or not, we are his representation. If you claim to be a believer and you go out and live a certain way, that is how people define God, is through us. This is why everybody hates the church. Because we've been at, done a terrible job at defining who God really is. What we do is we define him as we think him to be. And that comes from a mindset that has not been put into neutral and allowed God to revamp everything. Okay? I'm going to say a lot of things, but we're, you're going to have to stay with me. All right? The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. How many of you guys understand, and I've, I've taught this a hundred times if I've taught it once, that we don't see with our eyes, we see with our minds. Even scientifically speaking, our brains are the ones that interpret images that we look into life. Our eyes are just lenses. Our brains interpret what we're seeing. If the, if the lens is off or the situation is off or the brain is off, then there's going to be an improper interpretation of what's going on, even though that person totally believes that what they're seeing is absolute truth. If you didn't know you were colorblind, right, and if you thought you saw like everyone else, your interpretation of life is going to be massively different than everybody else's. And you're not going to believe anybody that tells you that that is not what that color should look like. You won't believe it. Why? Because the only thing that you trust is what's in your own head. And that's the danger of modern Christianity. We're only subjected to what we believe for ourselves, and we don't listen to anything else around us. 
and our, 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 our definitive natures to God himself are only defined by what God's done for us, which is why it keeps us in a perpetual state of looking backwards. Is it, is it wrong to, to remember what God did for us? Absolutely not. We should set those things as pillars and markers in our life. But if we're constantly looking back to what God did, we're never conscious of what God's doing. Why? Because the will of God is always found in the moment, not in the past. Now, he can show us principles of his nature that he operates by in the past, but it's never going to help us decide right now what the will of God is for the moment. You with me? So the mind of a son of God has to be in constant flux of understanding what God's will is for the moment, which means it has to be in a continual place of neutrality. The more preference we have in our life, the more inability God has to be able to work through our mind. Okay? This is why there can be so much division in the church and people who... It's amazing to me how many people try to argue the Bible to me who've never read it. I'm shocked. All the time. First time people start bringing these theological questions to me, the first thing I ask is like, okay, have you read the whole Bible? The whole thing? Well, no, but... And I usually ask them, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pilot. Or are you going to listen to me and, tell, and have me tell you how to fly a plane when I've never done it or never studied it, but I've only read two or three pages of the instruction manual? And they look at me like, well, that's not fair because religion's open for everybody. No. Religion is established by one man, Jesus, and there's only one opinion behind it, and all the rest of ours don't matter. The problem is, is we haven't got behind God's opinion. We've established other ideas the same way these people who sat in darkness did about what God is, who God is for our now. But how many of you guys know that if what God is and who God is is what we think him to be, we would have changed more than what we would have changed. But the church has actually done more harm in the last 50 years than she's done good. Overall, I mean, we have little micro pockets of revival and things that God has done, which are great things. They're awesome things. But they didn't change the nation. Did they? Do you think God is, is interested in just, you know, polishing and, 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 and organizing your bubble? Or does he actually care about something that's, that goes beyond us? And that we're just agents of his grace to be able to use to expand his territory in such a way that he's glorified and he defines himself as he is. Am I, are you with me? Okay. All right, so they sat in darkness and they saw a great light. When the light came, the mind was now able to see things as they really were. When Jesus came on the scene, everybody who thought God was a certain way, the light comes and they're like, oh, he's not like that at all. The very entrance of God into this earth proves that people mistook God for being something that he wasn't. He came in the form of a baby and they thought he was going to come on a horse as a conquering king out of the sky into, into Jerusalem, establishing his throne, kicking Roman's rule out of the, of the government and, and causing peace to reign over the earth. They missed it. His very inception into life completely went against all modern theology. And nine times out of ten, when God does something in our lives, we think it's the devil because it goes against everything we think that, that God should do. The moment a Christian starts to suffer, they start blaming the devil for what God's actually doing. 
because they don't have a renewed mind. Somewhere someone lied to you and said that American Christianity is about God keeping bad things from happening to you. And that's not why he exists. God believes so much in the new identity that he gave you that he puts suffering, allows suffering to come upon us. I'm not talking about sickness. I'm talking about suffering. He allows it to come upon us so that we can purify it because we're the only ones who can. Amen. Somebody has to turn the light on. And somebody has to be in the dark to do that. So God places his people in those positions, postures them perfectly so that they can illuminate the thing around them whenever they're complaining about the environment God's placed them in. Because they don't have a renewed mind. They think, I'm in darkness. Things are dark around me. God's not with me right now. i got to exit my season because this is not the Lord. Listen, Romans 8 says that they that are led of the Spirit of God are the, the sons of God. Jesus, in his first moment in Scripture, being led by the Spirit, went where? To the wilderness. It's our unrenewed mind that's not okay with being led where God leads us. How many of you want to go to the wilderness? Nobody? That's where you're going to go. It takes a kingdom mind to understand that the wilderness is not about you. That's why you don't want to go. Because it's about you. Your Christianity is still about you. You don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through hard things. But you've got to understand that God sends his sons where the devil is. But nobody wants to go there because we're all too selfish and we want our little American Christian pie the way it's supposed to be and how we want to eat it when we want to eat it. A kingdom mindset understands what God is actually doing, what he's doing, what he did in the past, what he's doing now, and what he's going to do in the future. Jesus was never confused about the will of God for his life. So many Christians come to me, especially young Christians. The old ones are actually confused about it too. They just feel too old to actually have a purpose anymore, so they don't ask the question, and they should because they still have purpose. But young people are, what's the will of God for my life? I don't know. They don't know. I know what it is, but they don't know what it is. And it's not what they think it is. Because, it, because our minds aren't renewed. So the light comes on, and all of a sudden we see God. Wait a minute. He's a weak human. Nobody likes to think of Jesus like that when he was in the flesh. But he did not pull upon any of his God powers. You understand that everything that he did in the flesh is completely possible for us. In fact, my Bible says greater things are possible for us than even what he did. We haven't even touched the greater things yet. We think it's revival when we actually start doing what Jesus does. That's a good start. Does this make sense to you? Yes. Okay. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Next verse, verse 17. From that time forward, Jesus began preaching, saying, what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's an interesting thing that when he, he conjoins the word repentance and the word kingdom, the first time those two things are mentioned in Scripture in the New Testament are right here. Now, you guys who know me know where I'm going to go next, but... 
some of you guys still think repentance is coming to the altar, confessing your sins, having somebody pray for you, and you cry a little bit and you feel better about yourself. That's not repentance. Okay? That is not repentance. That's ministry. That's forgiveness. That's grace. That's mercy. That's, that's the Holy Spirit touching your life. Every touch has a responsibility that goes with it. The responsibility is the repentance. See, repentance is something God cannot make you do. When God gave us a human will, he he, 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 he made himself powerless to force us to repent. He has no ability to make you repent. He has the the ability to to be kind to us, which leads us to repentance. It should, anyway. Every time God is good to you, he's kind to you, it should engender a mindset shift to where you become more like him instead of thinking that because you're blessed, he's condoning your life. No, most of the time when you're being blessed, it's because he's trying to get you to change what you're doing because he doesn't condone it. When's the last time anybody's repented because God blessed them? We usually repent because of the sin that's in our life. You with me? Just I've already I've already presented enough to make us understand that we're not really thinking the way we should. You understand? Repent. Change how you think. Because a new kingdom is coming. A new teaching, a new way of God. God as he is, not as you thought him to be. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to a bunch of people who are convinced they think they know who God is. Who am I talking to? The same people. Everybody in here has got an opinion. And all of us, including myself, are wrong. It's my responsibility to go to the Word of God and square off with it and make my opinion His Word. The things that have happened to me, those are like personal things He's done in my life. They never change this Word. You with me? You hearing me? If we don't renew our minds, God's purposes will never be established in the earth. The only thing we're going to replicate is a, a, is a broken opinion. But if we're colorblind, we think ours, ours is right. We need the light of God. Yeah. There's three things that are going to change your life outside of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> the people you hang around, the books you read, and the music you listen to. Why? Because all of those influence your mind. You begin to think like people you hang around. You begin to change how you see things through the material you read. And your brain begins to morph by the the music you listen to. Those three things will change your life. This is why three out of four kids lose their faith when they go to college. Because all three of those things are negatively influenced on them almost immediately as soon as they get there because they don't have renewed minds. 
They were taught in church that God is some toothless grandpa up there who may whack you in the back of the head every once in a while when you do wrong, or he doesn't care at all. Now, that's not the theology that comes forth from the pulpit, but that's the lifestyle they witness in church. Trust me, I grew up in it. That's what I saw. I heard a lot of messages, but then I looked at the guys in the church and thought, man, you're a freaking hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, I was eight years old having these thoughts. I saw right through it. Like, man, you're belting it out on Sunday morning, but, man, you treat your kids absolutely like garbage. I know because I live across the street from you. I play with your kids every day. See, hypocrisy is easy to spot for people who are innocent. That's why you can't ever fake it to your kids. You, you either got it or you don't, because they know the real you. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So from that time forward, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, without a renewed mind, we don't have the ability to process the kingdom of God. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not our kingdom come, and our will be done. Thy kingdom come. If we don't understand what God's kingdom means and what it actually in, in, entails, we're never going to be able to establish it. And if we're thinking opposite to the kingdom he's trying to, to birth in the earth, then we're going to be an antagonist to the kingdom of God, even though we're praying for it to come, which puts us at odds with God. You can't pray thy kingdom come and keep pursuing yours. To pray thy kingdom come means you're praying for the overthrow of your kingdom. Because there can only be one king in a kingdom. Anybody want to pray that prayer? Pray it over your life. Just the simple prayer of Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What you're praying for is the toppling of your government and the establishment of his. When you start praying that, don't be surprised that everything starts to fall apart in your life. Because everything that you and I think should happen ends up going the other direction. I'm going to prove this stuff to you through Scripture in the next couple weeks. Okay? So the old man comes in like a flood with the new life. You ever get somebody born again and you start discipling them? If not, you should. You try it sometime. It's something you should do in Scripture. It's not a suggestion. But when you do that, here's what happens. You realize immediately that by the Holy Spirit and the power of God that they have the ability to be everything that Jesus was. They can lay hands on the sick and raise the dead. Right immediately after they're born again. Immediately. If they believe it, it's possible. In fact, many times what happens to new believers is God moves through them more powerfully than he does older seasoned believers because he's trying to get the new believer to actually believe that it actually works. So he, he, he does it through them in the beginning to prove to them it works. So that way when it gets hard later on, they have something to stand on. But guess what? Even though they can do all those things, they bring the old mind 100% into the new life. All of the old way of thinking, which is inherently selfish, they bring that selfish mindset, that self-consumed mindset into the new life, and then they begin to revolve their, their theology around the old mindset in the new life. It doesn't work. And then after three, four, five, six years, they're confused. They don't understand. Things aren't working for them. 
they get hurt by the church and they blame the church whenever God actually let it happen to, to, so that they could purify pain instead of actually wallowing it. Do you realize that at some point in every, every believer's life, God is going to allow them to get hurt by the church somewhere? Yeah. It will happen. He, he plans it. Because he wants to see if you're actually going to forgive instead of just quote it. You have to have an offense to be able to offer forgiveness. And then we're upset because God offers us an an ideal situation to practice forgiveness. And we don't take it. We go to the old mindset and get offended. And God's like, well, they, they messed that one up. I've we'll tried again. So he gives you another thing to be offended by to give you another chance. And then pretty soon, because we haven't renewed our mind, all we are are walking piles of offense. Because they shouldn't have done that. Doesn't matter what they shouldn't should or shouldn't have done. What matters is how you respond to it. They shouldn't have crucified Jesus either. But how you responded to it made it all okay. This makes sense to us. If we don't have the ability to renew our mind, then when suffering comes, we're going to respond like Adam did and blame our wife or our husbands or our kids or our pastor or whoever happens to be in our line of sight because it's not going to be our fault. The, the Adamic mindset will only blame other people. Show me someone who blames everybody else, and I'll show you somebody who has an unrenewed mind. Jesus took responsibility for sin that wasn't his own. And the church of Jesus Christ today has a hard responsibility even taking care and ownership of her own sin, let alone somebody else's. And then we say we want to be like Jesus. And then God says, really, I'll I'll let you have the opportunity to be responsible for somebody else's sin then. And then they sin against us, and we hit the roof. If you haven't lived long enough to know that life is always going to show up, you need to learn that before you die. Because Jesus isn't going to stop it. And if you think he is, I feel sorry for you. Because you're wrong. That make sense? Amen. All right. So the carnal line is darkness. It cannot properly interpret what is valuable in this life. Everything Jesus values, everything the kingdom values, the Adamic nature does not value. The old mind does not value. Everything the old mind values, God does not value. So you have a lot of Christians trying to operate according to the mindset of the world, and they wonder why God's not present in their life they don't feel his presence as much because you're operating we're operating in that moment under the power of something Jesus died to kill and God believes in your ability to uphold under suffering he believes in it I mean he custom made us to suffer do you understand that the new man the new creation is custom designed to always rise from the dead it can't help itself. The problem that we have is, is we take ourselves off the cross because we haven't renewed our mind and we don't like the pain. 
A renewed mind looks like this. The pain's going to come, but I also know that life will swallow up the pain. And if I just stay here long enough, God's going to show himself faithful through my faithfulness. That's a renewed mind. A renewed mind says, I don't care how much I have to suffer. I care how much my suffering brings him glory. The new mind says that if I don't feel him right now, it doesn't matter about me and what I feel. I'm standing on what he said until he moves. Everybody else quits. I'll talk about this more next week, but do you guys understand that if God puts you in a circumstance and you don't think it's God because it's hard and you exit that circumstance... You're exiting on him, yourself, and his plan for your life. You think if you quit the circumstance, you're not quitting God. When in reality, you are quitting him. Because he placed you in that circumstance to be able to show forth the life of God in that arena. And he believes only you can do it. But so many Christians quit because they're weak-minded. They quit. It's hard. I haven't lived a whole long time, but I've lived long enough to know that everything is freaking hard. It's all hard. None of it's easy. I might as well go through some hard stuff with him instead of fighting him in the middle of it. The difference between mighty men and women of God and Christian weaklings oftentimes is nothing more than just a weak head. They're not as spiritual as you think. They just don't quit as easy as you do. It's really all all it is. You stay long enough, God serves himself faithful through you. He just does. You understand what I'm saying? So we can't be fully in love with the king if we don't fully bear his mind. You don't get the right. I'm sorry. I don't, it, it's not in Scripture. You do not get the right to think how you want to think. Yet that's, that's, that's all we do. Every time, you, every time somebody comes into my office with a problem, it's because their mindset is not following the Word of God. It's following the circumstance. It's following the person who hurt them. It's following what they don't have, what God didn't do, all those things. Their mind's off. They don't understand that God made us expendable. I I know you're important. We're important. But if we weren't expendable, we wouldn't die. Somebody's going to take your place someday, Jesus tarries. They're going to live in your house and drive your car, spend your money. We are expendable. We think we're not. Now, Jesus knows that we have to die for something. It might as well be him. What modern Christianity and damnic nature is revolving around is squeezing every last bit of life out of this life that we possibly can, even though it's all going to be taken away from us. If I can enjoy it for one last second, then I'll just hold on to it, and then you lose everything. You can't love God and not have his mind, not fully. 
Jesus died for you to have his brain, not yours. He killed your old man on the cross, but he did not kill your old mindset. That's your job. I know I don't like it either. I wish he'd just come thump me in the back of the head and just reset the whole computer and just make it all okay. But it doesn't work that way. Go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your... How many of you guys... Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Love God with all your mind. That's a tough one. In fact, so many of us... Our love for God in our heart, our love for God in our soul is often offset by the lack of love for God we have in our mind. How do you love God with your mind? You renew it. Well, how do you do that? It takes a long time. That's how he knows whether you love him or not if you stick with it. Because see, the one cool thing that God did is he took mind renewal and he made it very difficult and it's going to take years years to do. Those who accomplish it are those who loved him enough to stick with it. I've, I've never in my life had anyone, and I've had some awesome, powerful, great men and women of God lay hands on me. None of them, none of them, after praying for me, did I ever get a renewed mind. I got enough jump start in my heart to maybe pursue that on my own and decide that this is valuable. I need this in my life. I need to go another step farther. I need to think the scriptures more than anything. How do I love God with my mind? I let the word of God run through my head so much that I cannot be offended. I cannot be angered. I cannot be moved off of his principles, his promises. I don't care what I see. I don't care what has been shown to me. I cannot be moved by unbelief. I've heard the father. I cannot be moved. All the circumstances screaming and yelling and hollering. I just look at them and go, you're a liar I refuse to listen to you because I know what I know is true Amen. and then people are like well, but what about this and what about that and what about what they're doing and what about what they said and what about it's all irrelevant the only reason it feels powerful to us is because we let it have a place it shouldn't have that's it those things only feel so big and so huge and the pain feels so bad simply because we let that thing in our head and we built a stronghold for it to stay safe in. And then the moment anybody else shows up in our life with any resemblance whatsoever of the pain that we experienced in the past, we immediately project someone else's failure on them and we keep them at arm's distance because we're afraid and we're full of fear. I had a lady come up to me one time and she was just bawling. I had done a bunch of ministry in this church and for a couple years and back and forth. And I knew that there was something off with her because she just was really cold towards me, like bitter, like just, I mean, not mean, but just she was not open. I'm like, man, something's wrong with her. And I, I couldn't break through, so I just left her alone. Okay. I kept moving on. I, and, and, and toward the tail end of one of my second, third trips there, she comes up to me just bawling. She says, I have to forgive you. I have to, I have to ask you to forgive me. So what's wrong? She said, 
It's not your fault, but you remind me of someone who hurt me in my life. And she said, I couldn't receive anything from you because of that. And I put that on you and it's not fair. And I said, well, I appreciate that. But she missed everything God was saying because of the projection of her pain into something that wasn't actually existing. And that's what we do to people. We begin to create this mindset of mistrust. And so we walk into churches where we're cockeyed. We're looking, well, where is he wrong now? I'm not sure he's wrong somewhere. I got to figure out where he's wrong. Well, if you look hard enough, I mean, everybody's wrong somewhere. That's not the point. The point is, can you love in spite of the wrong you see? That's the mind of Christ. You get to know me long enough, you're going to find something about me that you don't like. You've probably already found a couple. But Jesus loves me. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. I'm working on my own mind. See, we can't love, we can't love God with something that's in enmity with him. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is a commandment, right? You understand it's not optional? Do you understand that you don't get to the right to feel a certain way when something goes wrong in your life? I'm going to get there next week probably, but it, the Bible says take every thought captive. I'm not going to go into a whole lot, but here's what I want to tell you before I even get there. Listen, most Christians do eh, okay sometimes at the evil thoughts. But the Bible doesn't say take evil thoughts captive. It says take every thought captive. Do you know why you you need to take every thought captive? Because the good thoughts that come through your brain had better learn to serve Jesus too. Here's why. If you have a good thought that goes through your brain, let's say, oh man, I want to start a ministry and God's going to do it this way and this way and this way and this way, and then you begin to hold those things and you begin to really build them up and encourage yourself in it and just get excited in the Lord. All those good thoughts weren't submitted to Jesus and guess what? They don't happen. They don't happen the way you thought. And when they don't happen the way you thought, then you get disappointed. And when you get disappointed, you begin to ask God why. And then you begin to not sure if you can believe him or trust him. Whenever that's not what he said, it's a good thought that you thought was okay. You didn't submit it to the king, and therefore, because it didn't happen, God didn't bow to your wishes. You become offended at God. See, it's one thing to hear him. It's another thing to properly interpret what's heard. Someone can tell you, God's going to renew your marriage. And immediately our minds go, well, it's going to be this way, and my husband's going to finally get it, and there's going to be this moment at the altar, and blah, 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 or whatever it might be. And then it doesn't happen, and they're like, God, I thought you said. He's like, one, you haven't given me enough time. Two, you're putting chains on me on how I operate. I don't follow you. You follow me. And then we're offended. And then we think that God's a liar, and that the prophet that it came through, or the word of God, or the man of God, or the woman of God that it came through, that they're wrong too. Because we didn't take every thought captive. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Jesus says, if you love me, what? Obey me. If you love me, obey me, right? To obey with the mind is to show the heart's love. How do you love God with all your mind? You obey God in your head. Obedience shows love. 
even if everything's against you, even if the whole situation's turned against you, even if everybody, you're the only one standing and everybody else is attacking you, absolutely, all the more reason for you to be someone else's sacrifice. See, the world says, don't let anybody hurt you. The kingdom says, you are made to be hurt because you can purify it, and through that you can, save the, you can bring them to the Lord and help save their soul. Why do you think Jesus says, forgive your enemies? Because you're the only one who can. They can't forgive themselves. They need you to be a punching bag sometimes. They need you to endure that, to show them what love actually looks like when it's not... It's not verified. It's not validated. They need that in us. They need to see that we love them in spite of them. Why? Because that's the God kind of love they're hungry for. You know, I, I ministered to a couple many, many years ago, and what I began to realize in the situation of the marriage is that she was so wounded by certain things that he had done over the years, and he, they started trying to get things together. But, but she was so wounded by these things that she began to actually act in a way so that he would act out just to prove to him that he hadn't changed. Talk about an unrenewed mind. I'm going to make you do the thing I don't want you to do so I can be right. That's nuts. That's psychotic. You're literally birthing the demon in your home that you hate. All because you want to be proved right and you're afraid he's not going to change. You were made by God to be able to handle that sacrifice. It's your mind that has a problem with it. You with me? Let me tell you this. The more you get the mind of Christ in your life, the less you're going to be stressed out by stuff. Highly stressed out people are people who have unrenewed minds. Period. Highly stressed out people are people who do not have renewed minds. Amen. Can we say it one more time? <laughs> highly stressed out people are people who have not renewed their minds the more you get to be more like Jesus the more you just don't care you're just like just if you're going to kill me just do it just do it just get it over with because I know resurrection's coming I cannot not rise from the dead if, if I stay with Jesus in the situation long enough. But so many people exit the situation, therefore exiting their power of resurrection, and then they wonder why they have no, no anointing in their life. Anointing comes from suffering. 100%. Always comes from people who suffered. Jesus is the most anointed person ever, and he's the one who suffered the most. Anointing brings suffering. Suffering brings anointing. It's this cycle that works just powerfully. You were put in situations to beautify things that the devil can't, can't do. You with me? You following me? Yes. My gosh. This might be a four-part series. <laughs> Go to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to try to hurry. Uh, 
See, the, the mind is the womb of all creativity. You understand that? Within the mind lodges all creative process. Yes. Okay, you get that? Yes. We create with our, with our brains. Mm-hmm. Things that we see and think and, and, and utilize and, and factor. We, we do that. But if, if, our, if our mind is unrenewed, then the image of God that we create and the image of the person that we have a problem with that we create is off. It's wrong. Because we create with, our, with, the, with the womb of our mind. If this thing is off, then how we perceive what's actually going on is not, is not actually what's happening. Right. Do you, I, I, can't, I wish I could show you and tell you guys how many times where I've been with, in ministry meetings with people and they begin to see rejection where it's not even there. Yeah. Because they've been so rejected their whole life, right? They actually feel like that rejection becomes a safe place for them and they begin to see it when it's not actually happening because their mind has been programmed for rejection. So one little thing that you might say that might be completely encouraging in your mind, they twist it and they come away from that thinking, why did they say that? Well, it must be because they don't like me. Never mind the fact that they might actually want to help you and, and become better so they understand a little bit as a construction, constructive criticism sometimes needed to kind of steer the ship a little bit and go, hey, it's, it's not the best thing for you to be doing that. Well, they just don't love me. And people began, because of an unrenewed mind, to see rejection when it's not even, even present. Does that make sense? So it's impossible to have unity amongst the brethren with an unrenewed mind. Because we're always on guard and, you know, staring at everybody crooked and kind of going, you know, what do they mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe if you got to know them, you might uh, understand what they mean by that. Because some of y'all are weird. And it took me a while to figure you out. And I'm like, oh, it's just so-and-so, you know. They don't mean anything by it. They're just weird, like me. I'm weird my way. You're weird in your way until you get to know each other. It's like, they don't mean nothing by it. They're just that way. Oh, oh, okay. I got people coming to me all the time like, well, what's wrong with so-and-so? There ain't nothing wrong with them. They're just different. Oh, well, they said this and that. Like, get a hold of your head. You with me? Oh, my goodness. See, an unreal mind can't process reality the way it is. It only processes it as it thinks it to be. So people around you suffer from your disobedience. Every place that we don't renew our minds is a place where everybody else receives the consequences of what's going on. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, verse 5, their minds are set on things of the Spirit. Where does the Spirit take us? To the wilderness. Where does the Spirit take Jesus? To the cross. Where does the Spirit lead all 11 disciples, except John? To death. Where does the Spirit lead Paul? Got his head cut off. Anybody want that anointing? We can lay hands on you. See, resurrecting your old man will also breathe, breathe life into his mindset. 
If you live by the flesh and you do things that are, that are carnally based, you're going to empower an Adamic mindset. Every time you and I live in a way in our bodies that we should not, we are literally giving strength to a mindset that is opposite to God himself. And then we wonder why it's so hard to be a Christian. It's not hard. We just made it that way. Get rid of the old man. It's amazing. All these things go away. I've said it before. You can't pull a guy at a funeral out of a coffin and tempt him with lust. He doesn't care. You can't tempt him with money. You can't tempt him with anything. He's dead. The more we begin to mortify our members the way the scripture says for us to do, to kill the flesh, to acknowledge it as dead before God, and walk in the spirit of life, and begin to move and in, in, in have our being in him, the more our mind gets renewed, the more the flesh doesn't have a hold upon us, and the more we begin to mind things of the spirit. And then when somebody comes to you with a problem, you're looking at them going, that ain't a problem. It's not a problem. You just think it's a problem because you have an unrenewed mind. And then they're going to get offended and call you bad names, and then walk out the door. And you're blessed. Because the Bible says, a kingdom mind knows this one thing. That if people persecute you for the kingdom of heaven, you have a big reward. But we're all upset because now they're upset. And we're offended now because they were offended at us. You just got the best reward God could ever give you. And and we squandered it because we're mad that they're offended at us. And the Bible says that if you stand on kingdom principles and you do what God tells you to do, people aren't going to always like it. Contrary to popular belief, pastors aren't professional rear end kissers. (laughs) Not what they are. It's not what God made them to be. They're not here to make you feel better. They're here to keep you in the fold, going the right way, seeing the right man. Does it make sense to you? So we cannot resurrect the old man and not by default breathe life into the old mindset. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is... I mean, does it get any more plain than that? How many of you guys, don't raise your hand, <laughs> spend your weeks carnally minded? And then when you wonder why everything feels like death in your life. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, what, this, what, what the principles of Scripture don't tell you in this verse is this. Either way, you're going to die. One way you have life and peace, and the other one you don't. Either way, you're going to die. You're going to suffer. Either way, you're going to go through hardships. Either way, somebody's going to step on your toes. Either way, somebody's going to disappoint you. Either way, you're going to disappoint somebody else. Why are we always looking at what's happening this way instead of looking at what we've done to other people? Because I promise you, if anybody's ever offended you, you've offended 10 people. You just don't know about it because we're so self-focused, we just don't see it. But they, somebody out there in this world is hurt because of you. And all we can care about is who hurt us. Somebody out there who knows you is offended by what you've done and what you've said. Your job is to make it right as much as they'll let you, and if they won't let you, then you're free and you can move on. With me? For the mind that sets itself on flesh, verse 7, is what? 
It's hostile, is what it says. The word means at war with. It's hostile against God. The mind that's set on the flesh, a person who's trying to serve God through the Adamic mindset, trying to get higher in this life, higher in the, in, in the culture, higher in, in, in money, higher in position and power, and subjugate people and make everything about themselves, that mindset is hostile towards God. It's not subject to God's laws, neither can it ever be. It can never be subject to the law of God. The only mind that can be subject to the law of God is the mind of Jesus. You with me? The Bible says, we're going to get to it next week, that you have, we have the mind of Christ. Then why don't we use it? So if the Bible says you have something and you don't use it, you tell me where the line of rebellion is actually drawn between the two. You tell me how much we can disobey God and still call ourselves believers. But everybody's got the line somewhere in their life. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, everybody in this room has a line somewhere that you've drawn and says, I can go this far. <laughs> when in reality, there's no line. When you realize, when I realize we're thinking wrong, it's our responsibility to immediately repent, immediately change how we think. Immediately. You know, when, when, when people like people who can play music come into a church setting, a lot of times they can't worship because they're too focused on what people up there aren't doing, and then their mindset starts shifting on what they're not doing and how they miss that note or miss that deal. And, all these, and it becomes a critical mindset because it's all selfish and it's all accusatory and critical. And they miss out on everything God's doing and everything God's saying. Why? Because they've, they've not, they, at the moment they started being critical to somebody on the, on the stage or a pastor or a preacher, the moment that they should have stopped and goes, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm not going to look at what they're not doing. I'm going to focus on what they are doing. And I'm going to join with them. That's teaching yourself how to think differently. That's repenting and instantly. Instead of picking this person apart who's speaking to me right now, I'm going to actually listen to what he has to say instead of what I disagree with what he's saying. Yes. You with me? Yes. All right. So it pleases our Father when we think like a son. God believes you have the ability to think like Jesus. So where's the line? There is not one. I want you to understand that the currency of your thoughts, your thoughts are currency, they're, 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 they're monies. <laughs> you get to spend them on whichever superpower you want. Both heaven and hell are competing for the currency of your head. Both heaven and hell are competing for the currency of your mind. You know, people who are caught in addiction, a lot of times, they're actually not caught. They just think they are. And that's why they stay. Because when it gets hard and that drive comes back and the devil starts pushing on them from the outside, they just think it's too hard. I must not be set free. I can't quit. And it's a total lie. If they would just stop just long enough and go, God, I know you set me free and I thank you for the power of the cross. And I need you now. And in a second, that thing just starts falling off of them. 
Because no one told them the difference between being tempted from within and without. See, if, if, if a desire arises from within inside of you, you need deliverance. <laughs> but if it's just pressing on your head, it's just a temptation. It's just a thought. And the moment you push it away, it has no power. But most Christians can't stand long. They don't stand long enough. They just quit. They give in to the thought. They give in to it immediately. See, you think, and I think sometimes that, that, that renewing our mind is, is going to be getting to a place where we're, we're not experiencing emotion. No. When you realize you're experiencing the emotion, that's your responsibility to renew your mind. That's your responsibility to respond in thought. You're going to feel the emotion. If you come up and slap me in the face, the first thing I'm going to feel inside of me is a flash of anger. (laughs) But I'm not going to condemn myself because I felt that way, and God won't either. What God's watching for is my response, not my emotion. But if I turn, if I make the mental decision to stop, and God help me love this person, and turn my other cheek, so here's the other side to you, come on. The devil wants you to think that because you've experienced the emotion that you failed. No, when you experience the emotion, that's when you actually start the battle. Isn't that right, baby? <laughs> you, you with me? We quit. Way too easy. I have people come to me all the time, and they're like, I don't know what to do in this situation. So, you know, it's too hard. It's this, it's that. And they just basically exited the circumstance. They quit. You know why people get divorced? They quit. Because it's hard. <laughs> there's, a re- there's a reason why we say, till death do us part, richer for poor, sickness and health, for better for worse. Why? Because it's going to be hard. Yeah. You're surprised it's hard? <laughs> well, we just fell out of love. No, love's a choice, not an emotion. Right. It's a choice. You stay. Because you made a vow. There's days where you don't feel that vow. But that's just your mind lying to you. And then once you realize you have the power to control your thoughts, and you turn that mindset around, and you realize, eh, I kind of still do love her. She's all right. Right? You with me? I don't have time. I'm sorry. There's a lot here. I want you to understand unbelief comes because this isn't under control. The Word of God is full. I'm going to show you in the next few weeks, if the Lord willing is, wills. I'm going to show you in the, in the Word of God how the necessity of mind control is. I don't mean mind control in some woo. I'm talking about you controlling your brain. That church believes in mind control. Okay. <laughs> you would be surprised at the, at the rumors. Okay. It's your responsibility to get a hold of your own head. And let me tell you something, guys. The most difficult thing about renewing your mind is it can't happen in your prayer closet. When you're in your prayer closet and you're in your private time, that's when you store the Word of God in you so that when you need it in the midst of battle, you have it on hand. 
when the, the moment you, re, you start, you actually renew your mind. The moment you begin to renew your mind is in the middle of the flash of conflict. That's when you actually do it. Saying something in your head over and over and over is not renewing your brain. Because if you say those things over and over and over, some scripture about how God, this is, uh, have all this, and, 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 and you respond exactly opposite to what you've been saying in your head because you don't, you know, you allow the pain or the emotion to just flash you and you consciously make the decision to do something else, it doesn't matter what you're pouring into you. You have responded by mindset to hell and you've given him the authority in your life. The Bible says, don't you know whoever you obey, that's whose slave you are, even if you're a Christian. If you obey hell, you are immediately enslaved by hell. The good thing is, is that you can walk out of that at any moment if you just repent, because the kingdom is coming. God wants us to be kingdom people, and we can't be kingdom people thinking like the old man. Every week, if you want something to do, if you want works, if you're so workspace that you can't even hardly stand it, then work on your brain. If you ask God for opportunities for mind renewal, whew, buckle up because he's going to give them to you. And it's not going to come the way you think. Your wife's going to make you mad. Your husband's going to offend you. Somebody's going to do something wrong. You're going to end up being cheated something. Somebody's going to steal from you. And you're going to be all like, what's going on? What's going wrong? And God's like, ain't nothing wrong. This is how, this is my classroom. This is how I teach you. You want to be like my son? respond like him you're not guaranteed for other people to treat you like him they're guaranteed that you'll respond like him you with me okay all right let's stand i really want you guys to go through the scriptures if you can this week um just start looking at things like thoughts and the word thoughts or mind or, or um, um, imaginations and things like that. Just begin to read what the scripture has to say about these things because it's one of the most underpreached things I've ever seen in my life. We talk about the fact that we need our minds renewed, but we don't understand the full capacity or the importance of it. It's, it's essential. You're never going to go anywhere with Jesus if you don't renew your brain. You're going to stay right where you're at. In fact, seasons in our life are determined by our ability to bear the kingdom of God and our ability to move through them by my renewal. Jesus, he embraced one of the most powerful seasons of his life in Gethsemane. His mind was saying, don't do this. His body was saying, don't do this. But he stopped and he said, you know what? It's not about what I want anymore. If I'm going to be a sacrifice for others, then so be it. And that's how you know when you start actually turning into a kingdom person is you go, okay, if I'm going to be a sacrifice for somebody else, then so be it. If, if they have to beat on me so that I can show them the love of God, then so be it. If they have to abuse me so that I can show them the love of God, then so be it. If they have to accuse me for me to show them the love of God, then so be it. And all of a sudden, when we start doing that, guess what happens? We're no longer concerned about who's right and who's wrong. Because it's not about that anymore. It's about who's able to give life. With me? The Adamic mind always wants to be proven right. The mind of Christ doesn't care who's right as long as the glory of God, the love of God is revealed. So you're going to your, get your moment this week, I promise. If you fail, 
get up, apologize. If you fail Jesus, get up and apologize and know that he'll never fail you. If you fail, walk up to your husband, your spouse, your, your wife, or your, your waitress. <laughs> Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God gave me an opportunity and I missed it. And I, and I want I want to be like Jesus in this moment, right? It's hard, isn't it? But it's not impossible. We have the responsibility. I'm just going to leave you with this. The degree of difficulty that you have in your life is going to be hinging upon the amount of renewal of your mind that you've done. Because a renewed mind doesn't see things difficult as difficult anymore. They just see them as opportunities. So if you're ever experiencing tons of difficulty in your life, you're thinking wrong. So just pray with me now. Father, thank you that you've given me the mind of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me for not using it. And I thank you for forgiving me for squandering every moment that you've given me to be able to prove it and show it and see it in my life. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to help me think like Jesus. Help me think like a son of the cross. Help me think like a son of God, knowing that I can always rise from the dead. And that, God, that you would have your glory and your victory in my life, and that when things get hard, that I wouldn't quit, that I would keep pressing through. And if I have to stand until it kills me, then I'll stand. If I have to obey until it murders me, then I'll obey because I got to get off the planet somehow. So nothing can offend me. Nothing can affect me. Help me to have love and forgiveness on retainer in my life so that way the next person who comes down the line, the next phone call that comes, that I'm able to say, Father, thank you for this opportunity. I am your agent of love and grace in this moment, and they need Jesus, and they need to see the love of God in the midst of turmoil and conflict. So thank you for choosing me to be that part for them. Help them get it, Father. Help them understand, renew their brains, help them see, help them believe. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are more than welcome to come back tonight at 5. We're going to have a discipleship meeting. If you can't make it, we understand. We bless you. If uh, you're going to go watch the Super Bowl, is that tonight? Then I can't compete with that, but, you know, I'll be here anyway. So we love you guys.